Thank you all for coming, and uh, really excited to be with you tonight. And before we begin, let's start with prayer. Father, we're so thankful for this uh, opportunity for this week at Eastern Camp. And as we spend this uh, short time together, we pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit to be here to inspire uh, and to teach us in this evening. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is uh, Gary Tomek. I'm from Kitchener, Strasbourg Road, <clears throat> and I'm excited to spend this uh, short time with you this evening. As I was thinking about the message, there's many things that came into my mind, but one of the words that stuck out to me is that of potential. I think it's one of the most beautiful words in any language. It's filled with hope. It implies success. It implies fulfillment. It hints at greatness. Potential is a word of possibilities. And it's something that God has designed and given to each one of us, given us the opportunity to fulfill that potential. For those of you, I hope most of you have Bibles, I'd like to read a few verses in the scripture that talk about the potential that God has for us. So turn with me to Ephesians, the third chapter, and we'll begin our reading at verse 16. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 16. This is one of uh, Paul's letters to the Ephesians, and this is what he writes. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 16, he writes that he, that is God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that, he, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now before we talk about the potential that, it, that these verses talk about, I'd like for you to think a little bit about your potential. When you were born physically, you were a little baby, you obviously don't remember that. And when you were born, you could pretty much do nothing except cry, fill your diapers, and eat. And you did that for months on end before you started interacting with your parents and others that loved you. And as you started to grow, there was a lot of investment in order to get, start seeing the potential of you as you grew physically. A lot of food that you eat. And even to this day, so many years later, I guess the youngest here is 13, to those of you that are older, you have invested a lot of effort in order for you to develop physically. Now, you probably didn't think of it in those terms, but just think today alone. You've gone to eat at least three times, and I'm sure some of the guys, after a, a, a busy day of activities, you probably even went for seconds and had dessert. And why are you doing those things? Because your body requires the energy, and it's necessary for you to develop physically, to stay healthy, to reach your potential physically. 
a lot of effort, a lot of time is spent. And of course, that's just for what you remember. You don't think about all the, the effort that went into preparing the food and, 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 and growing it and, and, and preparing it so that it ended up on our plate in the cafeteria today. Enormous amount of effort that went in in order for us to continue to develop physically and reach our potential. Now think of it intellectually. All, all of you are going to school in some form or another. Some of you may be going to a private school or a public school. Some of you may be homeschooled. Think of how much effort is going into developing your intellect. You probably haven't thought too much about that either, other than it's too much work. I'm so glad I'm in summer holidays and I'm not looking forward to starting school because it means studying and reading and, and all the many subjects I don't really care so much about. And yet, as you have been studying those subjects and as the teachers have invested, in fact, if you think of the country alone, billions and billions of dollars are spent and thousands of hours every year in order to develop you intellectually. And why is that? So that you can reach your potential. Now think of that spiritually speaking. The verses that we read here is the Apostle Paul communicating to the believers in Ephesians God's desire for them personally. He wants them to be able to grow and, and, and reach their potential in the same way that they've experienced it both physically and intellectually. Why is it necessary for us to reach our full potential? Well, think of it. Someone once wisely said, if you think education is expensive, just think how expensive ignorance is going to be. People make very significant mistakes for their, in their own lives personally and in the lives of others because of ignorance. And ignorance is costly. It's costly in the physical sense, but it's also costly in the spiritual sense as well. Think of uh, growing spiritually. Think of it like you're starting in kindergarten. You're basically playing with a few blocks in the sandbox. You're not really thinking about much else. But as you start going through your subjects, you start learning things of substance, things that you could start making use of, and you start fulfilling your potential. Now, in the spiritual realm, God has the same plan for each one of us. He wants us to grow spiritually so we can reach our potential. Except it's not math and science and, and, and English and all these other subjects. No, the subject matters are more like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and a whole host of other things. That's why we have the Scripture is filled in order to help us grow and develop our God-given potential. I like learning with acronyms. And tonight, we're going to start with an acronym. We're going to go through four areas where God is going to develop, desires to develop your potential. And I'm going to use the, the acronym TEAM. And we look at the 17th verse that we read together. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's God's primary desire. That Christ develops or, 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 or inhabits your heart. And in fact, I'm going to say it differently. 
God wants you to join his team. Scripture says in Hebrews that Jesus is the captain of our salvation. It's like he's the captain of the team. He wants each one of you to join the team. And when you, in order to join the team, we have to first recognize that you begin as a sinner. And God wants to begin the transformation process by changing you from your current state and give you a new life. Now, if you look at Ephesians 2.1, if you flip back to the earlier chapter, the scripture says that you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In order to reach your potential, you need to recognize your need of transformation. And why is that? Why is God so interested in your and my potential? I don't think any of you, are, you're, you're all still too young to be married. I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of you in the next decade or so will become married. And why is that? Because God has given you a desire to be in relationship with someone, very close relationship. And the marriage relationship is the closest one that you will ever experience on this earth. And even in the best marriage, no marriage is perfect, but even if there were such a thing as the best marriage, that, that intimate fellowship that you have one with another, and those of you, you've all, probably already spe- uh, felt a little stirring in that way, where you suddenly notice the opposite gender a little bit more than you used to. And rather than thinking they have cooties or something, you start noticing, hmm, you want to spend a little bit more time. Wow, you, know, you notice their intelligence, you're attracted to them. And those are, in the right context, God awakening that desire in you to prepare you for that relationship. But even more infinitely than that close relationship is the desire that God has to have a relationship with each one of you that is going to be even more close than any other relationship that you could ever experience on this earth. And this is not temporary. We know that the scripture says marriage is a temporary relationship. These, these, uh, this physical attraction, these things that we experience, is temporary. It's going to pass away. But the relationship that God wants to develop with each one of us is eternal. And he's so interested in developing it because he knows how fulfilling and how much joy it brings That's his primary desire. He wants to have fellowship with each and every one of us. But he also wants to protect us from dangers. As you were growing up, those of you that may have younger siblings, or maybe you remember this as you were growing up, your parents trying to protect you from various dangers. It may start as, as, a, as, as a little child, as you're going for a walk, and you see you love pets, and you see this dog, and you want to go run up and pet it, not realizing the dog may not be friendly. And as a parent, you want to protect your child from just petting any strange dog because of the danger. Or a child doesn't realize how dangerous it is if the ball rolls out in the street to run after and grab it because they could be hit and injured, even killed by a passing car. And the list of dangers goes on and on and on. And parents desire so much to protect the child from that harm because a child is ignorant. 
they have not yet reached their potential. And of course, many times now in your teenage years, you're struggling probably sometimes with your parents and wanting to do things and your parents aren't quite sure because they're concerned about your safety. Not just physical safety, but what you're going to do, what you're going to get involved in because they don't want it to get in the way of God's potential for your life. We can read in Hosea, the fourth chapter, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's another way of saying ignorance is deadly. It can kill. And that's especially true for spiritual ignorance. Some time ago, I read a story, true story, in the Montreal Gazette. That's a paper in the Montreal, Quebec, for those of you that don't know Canada, Quebec is a province in Canada. Montreal, they speak French there. And there was a man by the name of Pierre, Pierre Thomas. And Pierre was born blind. And so he went around with the cane, white cane, and that's how he made his way throughout life. And people would describe to him the beauty outside, and, 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 and he could only imagine what that was like. And then at the age of 66, Pierre fell down his apartment stairs by accident and broke a whole bunch of facial bones in his, in, 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 uh, on his face. And so he had to go to the hospital, spent some time there, reconstructive surgery as they refitted the bones in his face. And while the plastic surgery was working on him, they asked him, hey, uh, Pierre, would you like us to restore your sight? He was speechless. Restore his sight? How, how could you restore my sight? I was blind from birth. But what he didn't realize was this type of blindness that he had lived with his entire life was correctable by surgery. And sadly, he lived in ignorance those 66 years of his life until the plastic surgeon was able to restore his sight. And for the first time, he was able to experience and see the beauty of God's creation. And he described the awe of seeing the beauty of the, of the trees outside, the lushness, the beauty of the flowers, the colors, the brilliance, all of these things that he could only imagine before. And now he was able to experience for himself. Now, The tragedy of that is that Pierre could have enjoyed that sight decades earlier. He did not have to wait till he was 66 years old. But it was out of ignorance that he didn't realize that such a thing could happen. I think yesterday was great for those, I think most of you, hopefully all of you, were able to hear the testimony of the of the brother that shared of how many years, decades he wasted away from God, not experiencing that full potential, and as a result, missed out on a whole bunch of blessings. And his advice to us was, don't waste time. Experience it yourself. And that's the second word that I'd like for you to remember is experience. You see, when we look in verse 18, as we read together, 
in Ephesians, the third chapter, it says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. In other words, how great God is and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Now, he's not contradicting himself. He's not saying, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, not just a knowledge thing, not just somebody to describe it to you. You have to experience it yourself. Just like Pierre had to experience sight by him, uh, for himself in order to really experience what the beauty of God's creation held for him and the brilliance of it, the same has to happen with salvation for each one of you, especially those those of you that have never experienced it. You see, we could stand up here all day and, and, and explain salvation and the wonder of it, but until you have experienced it yourself, you will never fully know what that is like. And experience means, doesn't mean you have to have all your questions answered. doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out because it's a lifelong journey. I don't have it all figured out. But it doesn't stop you. It doesn't stop me from having that experience with God and to grow with Him and to begin to understand the, His greatness and the potential that He has for each one of us. So I encourage you to experience the extraordinary and the exceptional by taking that step in faith. And there's a reason why it's called step in faith. If it didn't require faith, then in some ways it would be easier. But, but in a sense, if you think of the greatness of God, there is no way that he could describe his greatness to us because his greatness is infinite. We are finite. We will not be able to fully comprehend it. But as we um, experience it, for ourselves, one day, one week, one year at a time, as you grow, you become to appreciate it more and more and more. It's kind of like those of you who love going to the beach. You walk along the, the, the shore. You see the beauty of the waves. Uh, love jumping in the waves, surfing, uh, just enjoying the, the part of the beach. You don't need to understand how the whole ocean works before you can uh, appreciate the beach. You don't need to understand how deep it is and how the currents work and how the animals and how the water cleans itself and all those wonderful things. You can go to university and get a PhD and not fully understand that and explore the rest of your life just to understand the greatness of the sea, for example. But that doesn't hinder you from enjoying the beach, enjoying the ocean for what it is. And that is kind of a picture of how we experience God's love. It's so great and vast, we won't fully comprehend it ever. But that doesn't stop us from experiencing it in the ability, where we're, wherever we're at in life, and enjoy it to that point. But you've got to experience it. But that potential for experience is not always present. You know, that's a fallacy. Some of you may be thinking, great, yeah, one day I, I'd like to be transformed. I'd like to experience this too, but not now. I got too many other things to do. I'll do it when I'm ready for it. But that is a lie because that potential for God's <clears throat> grace to experience God's grace is not always available. Not because God doesn't want uh, you to experience it at any time, 
But there are certain points in life where that is offered, where you will be interested in that, and there'll be other times where you will not be interested. Somebody could talk to to their blue in the face to you, and they'll just go in one ear and out the other. And so, when you hear God's call, when you feel the conviction, when you desire, in fact, you don't necessarily even have to wait for that. You can choose it even when you don't feel like it because you know it is the right thing. And we don't have the time this evening to go through all of the aspects of salvation. We heard a beautiful message on Sunday evening by Brother Werner. What What the salvation is. And if you don't remember what that is, because you're too excited to be at camp or too tired because it was a long journey, I encourage you to go back and listen to it and hear what it means to experience salvation for yourself. Now, excuse me, a number of decades ago, there is a famous neuropsychology study that was done There was a man that was born in Hartford, Connecticut. For those of you that don't know geography or the U.S., Hartford, Connecticut is just northeast of New York City. So here on the East Coast. He was born and he began to suffer debilitating epileptic seizures. It became so acute and so severe that he he basically couldn't function anymore. He had so many severe seizures. And so what the doctors decided to do was an experimental surgery. Never had been done before. They didn't know whether it was going to work. They were going to, they had located where in his brain that seizure originated from. And so they're going to try a risky operation to remove that section of the brain in order to remove the seizure. Of course, there's high risk associated with that, as you can imagine. So there wasn't much option. His name was Henry, Henry M. Henry agreed to that surgery. So they did the surgery, they took out that part of the brain, and after Henry woke up, they realized it was a success. He no longer experienced the epileptic seizures that he had been struggling for so many years in his life. Not only that, he also still retained his intelligence, he retained his personality, he was able to hold conversations Uh, uh, none of those things were affected. And so they felt complete success for that surgery. But it wasn't long until they realized something was drastically wrong with Henry. Henry seemed to have no short-term memory capability anymore. What that meant is that he certainly knew his family and and all the people that, that were there before his surgery... But anything after his surgery, while he was eating dinner, for example, within 30 minutes, he had completely forgotten that he had eaten dinner or even what he ate for dinner. And so every day, Henry could read the same magazine over again because he didn't remember any of it. He could have the same conversation, introduce himself to the same person he just was introduced an hour before. Now, I'm sure you've all experienced that. Introduced to somebody, you say their name, and within two minutes, (gasps) you forgot what their name was. I have that experience too, but Henry had it. There was no way he could remember it. And so Henry lost his potential because he was no longer able to grow and to learn. It was such a fascinating case. Thousands of doctors and scientists have studied it since then to better understand how could this have happened. And though it's... Very sad for Henry to lose that 
potential because he was unable to learn, grow, or change. In effect, Henry was unable to absorb new information. As tragic as that is for Henry M., it's more tragic when it happens to us. When we struggle to absorb new things. You see, and of course, if you probably guess, that's the next word, absorb. You see, probably all of you have used a sponge either to wash dishes or to wash a car. A sponge has a certain amount of, of, of liquid that it can absorb. And once it's absorbed all that liquid, can't absorb anything more. And the same is true in our life. We have a certain capability to absorb a certain amount. And as we go through life, we choose what things that we are going to absorb. And so if you think of uh, all the things that are around you as you're growing up, things are exciting. The, the sports team, who's winning in hockey and basketball? Uh, what are the latest shows on Netflix or whatever cable thing is in your area? Or the things that are happening on social media or going out with friends, all of these things. Not, they're not necessarily all bad. Sometimes they are. But they're not necessarily all bad. And let's assume they were all good. Somehow that these other activities were, were good. The problem is that they're temporal and we've absorbed them into our life and we reach our absorption capacity. We're no longer able to absorb things of greater importance. And so we go to church or it's time to read our Bible or things and goes over our head because we have no, cap- no ability to absorb it anymore. Instead of absorbing the things that are really important, things about God's Word and of being absorbed with His people. And, and this is one of the reasons I'm super excited that I see so many of you at camp. Because you've chosen to say, I'm going to put a stop to the rest of my week. Maybe I've had to leave a job. It's going to cost me some money. Those of you that are older that are part-time job are starting to experience that a little bit. Um, Maybe your parents paid for you at camp. I don't know. Or maybe you've paid for it out of your pocket. But you're willing to give up your week to come here to be absorbed, to be with God's people, to be absorbed in His Word. And that's wonderful. And that's one of the important aspects of um, Eastern camp. Important aspects of a practical way of being absorbed in something that allows you to grow spiritually, start reaching your potential that God has for you. But my worry here is that I'm afraid there are some Henry M's in the audience tonight. And what I mean by that is you have no short-term spiritual memory. And what I mean by that is that you've come to camp more than once. You've come maybe every year for some time. And every year you're excited. Wow, you're on fire. You're ready to go home to make a change for the better. And you've absorbed it. And when you get back home... You forget that it even happened. Not that you forget that you were at Eastern Camp, but you've forgotten the the spiritual experiences that you've made there, and it's lost. And you come again the next year, and you do the same thing. And how many times does it need to happen before you realize, I am in the Henry cycle. I need to stop the Henry cycle. 
Brother, Brother Josiah Reinhardt shared in his testimony several months ago that he was stuck in the Henry cycle. No, he didn't use the word Henry cycle. He didn't realize that Henry existed at the time. But his testimony, he said he came to camp seven years and he went through that cycle. Started, was on fire. Yes, I'm going to make a change when I get home. I'm going to be part of the team. I'm going to join God's team. I'm going to do all these things here. And when he got home, the momentum slowed down and it stopped. And it was deja vu all over again the next year. And he did that over and over again until, until he chose to break the cycle. And each one of you can break the Henry cycle, the Henry M cycle. Don't suffer from short spiritual short-term memory loss because with that, you will never grow. You will never be able to experience the fullness of God's potential. Desire that above all else. It means sometimes you need to cut off certain things. You realize that when you get home, whoa, I'm being absorbed by, by my friends at school and these are not a good influence. You need to cut it off. You need to be around God's people. You need to be work, uh, involved in wholesome activities because then you're absorbing the right stuff. And that goes whether you're not a Christian yet or whether you are a Christian. That's a lifelong pursuit that we need to actively be engaged in. It is critical and essential in order for us to grow. In order to experience God's wonderful plan that he has for each one of us. Now I'd like to ask the eight volunteers that have asked, can you come and stand up here? Because I want to illustrate for you potential from God's point of view. You see, when we just land, yeah, just line up right here. That's great. You see, when we um, think of potential, it's easy for us to think of the world's potential. And so, <clears throat> here is a very talented speaker. If you want a great orator a Martin Luther King Jr., except the, the female version of it, you come to her, and she's able to give you a great speech, rousing inspiration. But from God's perspective, it's a big zero. Doesn't matter to God. If you want to find somebody that's really educated, just need to come look at her. She's got several PhDs. She knows all kinds of wonderful facts but from God's perspective, a big zero. No potential there. Now, why did I separate smart and education? Because somebody can be really smart with, with little education. Somebody can be very wise and be able to figure things out without any formal training. And she is super smart. But from God's perspective, a big goose egg. Zero. Kelly here is super wealthy. She's on the Forbes, Forbes list of billionaire. You want a new car? You want a new, some, some, a nice vacation? Come and see Kelly. Maybe she'll be able to help you out. But from God's perspective, a big zero. How about a position of power? The most powerful woman in the world is standing right here. You want to get something done? She has a position. She has the influence. But from God's perspective, a big zero. How about somebody who's 
Miss Popularity, the, set, the, the party central, somebody who comes, you want to have a great time, you come and be with her, be at a, be at a gathering with her. And people from all over America want to hire her for their next movie set because she's popular. She is able to get it done. She has a magnetic personality, but from God's perspective, zero makes no difference. If you want somebody who's an athlete, she's athletic, super basketball player, uh, can best even Michael Jordan. But from God's perspective, big zero. And as you can imagine, we could go on and on. There's all kinds of talents that, we could, I, that I could have listed here. But ultimately, they're all zero. They don't mean anything from God's perspective until one very important thing happens. And that is once we add Jesus into our life. And you see what happens when you add Jesus as the one in front of all these zeros? Suddenly, there's a multiplication factor that happens. You see, not all of us are be able to have these gifts and you can add whatever talent you want. That's, that's impossible. Nobody is good at all these things. But when we add Jesus into our life, what happens is we go from a zero to infinitely more, with, we have infinitely more potential. We suddenly now go from a zero to ten. And maybe we have more than one talent. Step over. Maybe... We have two things that we're really good at. And when we add Jesus into our life, we begin to experience the full potential that God has for us. And as we add other people in the body of Christ, as we join the team, you see suddenly how that multiplication effect happens. That with the body of Christ, the full potential that God has in store is suddenly realized. And why is that? Is it because that these people without Jesus have no value whatsoever? No, of course. There's many people that are smart or great speakers or those that had great wealth that did wonderful things for the population. But... They didn't last. They were all temporal. It didn't have any meaning in God's eyes. It didn't have any meaning in eternity. It's only once you add Jesus to the mix, suddenly those things begin to have eternal value and the full spiritual potential starts to become realized. Suddenly the wealth goes in places that other people can start realizing their spiritual potential. Suddenly the education is used to be able to teach people to get out of a life of spiritual ignorance. And the, the, the list goes on and on and on. And that's what God wants to do in each one of our lives. But without Him, we are, we have no potential Potential can only be realized once he comes into our life. Thank you to our zeros. You can have a seat. <clears throat> now, this is a scriptural concept. This is not something I just came up with. This is, we read this in the scripture. Remember the disciples? The disciples, when, when Jesus was... Um, on the earth, he, cho- he didn't choose the wealthy ones, the education ones. No, he chose the simple ones. In fact, we read in Acts where it says the Pharisees wondered as they put them on trial and said, these are ignorant and unlearned men. In other words, 
These guys are not very bright, and yet look at what they're able to accomplish. Whereas they, the Pharisees, they were the ones that had the wealth and the position and the power and, and, and the education and the smarts. They were accomplishing nothing. They were frustrated because they couldn't stop this movement that had started. And why was that? Because the disciples had Jesus in their life, and they experienced the multiplication effect. Do you know any of the Pharisees that didn't believe in Jesus to this day? Does anyone? Maybe some scholar here at EMU, they, they study all kinds of interesting historical facts. They may know some of the Pharisees that never became Christians. Most people don't, and maybe nobody does. Why? Because they lost their potential. And yet, we know the disciples and the early church fathers, and billions of people know that. Why? Because, not because they were super smart. No, because Jesus came into their life and they began to experience the full potential of what he had for them. And he wants the same for each one of you. And to realize that full potential, you need to have Jesus in your life. Now, I want to take that a little bit closer to home because you're thinking, okay, I get it. I, I understand the disciples, how they, uh, how, how they had a huge influence. Great, but, 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 but wasn't that like 2,000 years ago? Did, does that still happen today? And I say it absolutely does. And let me give you two examples to try to bring this home a little bit. How many people recognize who this is? A show of hands. Okay, we got probably 70%, okay? This is Nick Vujicic. He is a uh, believer. Life Without Limbs runs a ministry, Life Without Limbs. And if you haven't heard his testimony, I encourage you to go online. I think it's probably on YouTube. Many different ways. He came to our church a number of years ago. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christian brother. And what he did is he had essentially zero potential. He had no arms, he has no legs, felt he was complete failure, wondered why he was even born, and he struggled with depression, wishing that he could just kill himself, and get it over with. And then he recognized that he was in need of a savior. And he experienced a transformation. He experienced it. He was absorbed in God's word, and then the, his potential started to be realized. Suddenly, his zeros were multiplied. <clears throat> he went from a zero to a ten to a hundred, and now in his ministry, I haven't talked to him recently in, a, in the last couple of years, but years ago, he had affected millions of lives in ways that nobody else could. Why is that? Because he's so unique. He's got a magnetic personality. Shares the gospel. Goes into country, communist countries that would otherwise close their door to any other person. And yet, he is able to go because God has given him such a special ability. That's an example, a modern day example of God's potential. What he has in store for each one of you. No, you're not going to be a Nick, but you will be... It, it, you'll be able to use, be used in such a way to fulfill your potential, even if you feel like you have no gift whatsoever. You feel, ah, what do I have? I, I can't speak. I'm not very handsome. I'm not wealthy, whatever. It's okay. You begin with Jesus, and he's going to begin the, the, the multiplying uh, uh, effect and the potential of your life. How many people know this lady? Anyone? Couple? 
okay? Maybe uh, 10%, 15%. This person is by the name of Fanny Crosby. She was born in the 1800s, died sometime in the 1900s. She wrote, she's blind, she was blind from birth. She wrote over 8,000 hymns. Okay, I'm not joking, uh, I'm not exaggerating. 8,000 hymns, many of which we sing today in our gospel hymns and in our camp books. So songs like Blessed Assurance, songs like Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, and the list, I mean, it's enormously long. In fact, the publishers, as they were publishing these songs, felt, wait a second, she's writing way too many songs. It's not wise for us to put her name on every one of the songs because you have a song book and every one of the songs are written by the same author. People don't like that. And so they invented pseudonyms for her. She went under 200 different names, pseudonyms, so that they could get the variety even though she wrote them herself. Isn't that interesting? Super gifted. And it happened despite her physical disability. God was able to multiply the effect of that. Now, what is the way to reach your potential? The last point that I want to go over, this is the time. If you've forgotten everything else, don't, th- this is the most important point in order to reach your potential. You need to be mentored. What does that mean? Mentored means you need to become a disciple. But mentorship, in, in practical terms, means you need to find an older brother, if you're, a, if you're a guy, or an older sister, if you're a girl. You don't have to be ancient, but someone who has some experience, somebody who's been walking with the Lord, someone who you can look up to, and that you can, you admire their spiritual maturity. You see they're active in the kingdom. You're like, you know what? I really see God working through them. I see their potential. What you need to do is you need to ask them if you can be mentored by them. This is a biblical concept and is extremely important. And this is why I don't want you to forget this. If you forget everything else, don't forget this. The disciples, they were mentored by Jesus himself. The disciples themselves mentored others. And the church fathers, as you go down through history, they were all mentored by others, most of them. And they were able to reach their potential as a result of that because God has designed it such that we learn from others. What is the benefit of mentorship? Well, let me, uh, let me give you an example. You're too young to realize what uh, uh, um, heart disease is. Hopefully you never experienced it in your life. But a study that was done years ago by John Hopkins University, they uh, studied and realized that people who needed triple, double, triple, quadruple bypass surgery, they're on death's door. And they told the people, look guys, you're coming in for surgery. You have to pay more than $100,000 for this surgery, but this is just a temporary fix. You need to change your health, uh, health, uh, your lifestyle. You're not living a healthy lifestyle. You need to change your diet. You need to exercise more. You've got to get rid of stress. And they did the surgery. They paid the bill. And they went. And two years later, guess how many of them had changed their lifestyle? Even though their life depended on it. 
Only 10%, 90% did not change their lifestyle and had to pay a hefty price. Many of them died as a result. Some of them had to come back for another surgery and they were struggling. Why is it? Why, why can't people get it through their heads? And suddenly one doctor had a, a flash of brilliance. He's like, wait a second. What happens if we mentor them? What happens if we have a support group? We meet once a week, and we're going to go through, we're going to help them in their lifestyle change. It's not so easy to change your diet if you've lived like that for 50 years. It's not so easy to go exercise or, or make those dramatic changes. And so they had a support group, and they met once a week, and they helped each other. And guess what? After two years, 80% of them had changed their lifestyle so drastically that they didn't have heart, the heart trouble anymore like that. That's a powerful example of how mentorship works. And that's why it's biblical. That's not new. It wasn't invented by that doctor. You can read about it in the scripture. And that, my friend, whether you're a Christian or not, that is the biggest secret to fulfilling your God-given potential. And so I encourage you at the week at camp this week, don't wait three weeks from now. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask God to show you who can be your mentor. And then meet with them once a week or once every two weeks. Meet with a small group where you can discuss your ups and downs, your struggles. Be able to pray together because that releases God's power in your life in order for you to reach your potential made a huge difference in my life. That was all the difference in my life. I was struggling so much as a teenager until God brought someone in my life. And what a difference it makes. So I speak from experience. And I wasted a number of years struggling, trying to figure out ups and, what, what's up and what's down. And it was when that happened in my life, it was transformational. And so in order to reach your potential, remember... The TEAM acronym. And let me end with the potential part of the verse that we read together. That ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Think of that potential. Amen. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, let's all arise for prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much that we can gather here together in this week and we can take this block of time out of our lives, um, out of school or work or whatever we were busy with, and that we can take it aside and come together as a family and worship you and learn more about you. We want to pray a blessing upon the rest of this week that's coming up, all of the classes, lessons, inspiration hours, the people singing, the people teaching. We want to pray a prayer of thanks for the words that you've already shared with us this week, the, the inspired words that have been shared through the ministers and the sermons and the songs that have already happened. We want to pray that all of the people in this room who haven't accepted you and who are still working towards that goal, the goal of worshiping you and serving you with all our hearts, souls, and minds, that they would be able to turn towards you and make that last step, the, the last step to a new beginning where after that, we all join together and we can strive on together without having to seem like it's work, we're working on our own. We want to pray that by the end of this week, everyone who can will have listened to what they've learned, will have applied it to their lives, and that hopefully some of that potential that is in here 
most of that potential that is in here will have been realized. In Jesus' name, amen.